podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitramalides and Dr Sidlow is with me as ever. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm alright mate, you're joining us from San Sebastián where you were last night for Real Sociedad against Real Betis, the big uh, Sunday night game. In the absolute pouring rain, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did actually. Um, it, it wasn't Good. a great. Just generally the experience. It wasn't a great game, um, right? But yeah. it was. But That's it was why fun. I was. I was. I was focusing more on the experience. I, well, than I, the I got game. away yeah. with not too much rain, considering how bad it was. Yes. Well, that's good. That's all we can ask for. Um, we're going to discuss Match Day 12 and everything that happened uh, this weekend, all the main talking points. Before we do that, just want to alert you to the fact that if you haven't already, why not join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. This week, we'll have a Q&A podcast out for uh, patrons on Tuesday, answering all your questions. We're going to have a bonus pod on Thursday or Friday, discussing the midweek European games <clears throat> with paying special attention now to the Europa League. And we'll have a brand new episode of TSFP Presents Top 5s, plus Al's paper reviews, access to the TSFP Discord, loads of stuff. It's around €4 Euros a month and good value if you're into Spanish football, which we very <laughs> much guess. hope you are. Here's what happened on match day 12 then. Friday night saw Mallorca and Espanyol draw uh, 1-1. Saturday saw Almeria uh, beat Celta Vigo by three goals to one. Third successive home win for Almeria. Third successive game scoring three goals in their own stadium as well. Uh, Cadiz 3, Atletico 2 was an absolutely crazy game which finished in the craziest of fashions for Atletico. Uh, Sevilla still haven't won at home. It's November. They haven't won at home. Well, it's November tomorrow. They haven't won at home. They were beaten 1-0 at home by the mighty... Rayo Vallecano, who continue to just be fantastic and brilliant and play wonderfully. And, oh, I love those guys. <laughs> Barca uh, won at Mestalla by a goal to nil, beating Valencia. Robert Lewandowski scoring in the 93rd minute, saving their bacon uh, once again. Then on Sunday, Osasuna beat Valladolid 2-0. Uh, Real Madrid and Girona drew 1-1 at the Bernabeu in controversial circumstances wasn't actually that controversial, but more on that in a minute. Athletic Club beat Villarreal 1-0 in Kike Setien's first game in charge of Villarreal. In truth, it could and should probably have been 4 or 5 nil with Athletic spurned so many good chances. Uh, and then the game that Sydney was at in San Sebastián. La Real conceding twice late on to get beaten by hashtag always watch Betis 2-0. Monday Night Football, it is a triple extra premium premium Diamond level, <laughs> platinum, You'll get Spanish the football end. lover game. Yeah. This is for the real hardcore. Elche against Getafe, Monday night. If you're watching that, our work is done. We have converted you and we respect you highly. You will be watching that, won't you, Phil? If only just as an excuse to avoid Halloween. Oh, yeah. God, I hate Halloween so much. And I mean, it was all right. When I was didn't have a kid, you know, you could just sort of be like a bit of a Grinch and everyone else sort of get into it. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved. Now I've got a kid, I actively have to sort of get involved in this nonsense and I'm desperately, desperately unhappy about it. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about Spanish football instead. That makes me happy. Um, Real Madrid against Girona. I said it was controversial because Girona had a penalty awarded and Real Madrid had a goal disallowed. We think those, both those decisions were right. Um, sorry, Real Madrid fans. I know lots of people's view on this are conditioned by who they support. It's the nature of the game. We understand that. We've been here long enough. We don't support either Real Madrid or Barcelona. We did or Girona. 
would in you this case. <laughs> in this case. Um, yeah, but, you know, Barcelona is, is, is always involved when you mention Real Madrid because you can't mention one without, without the other sort of being there or thereabouts. We, 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 we do kind of agree with both of the decisions, right, Sid? I think actually fundamentally, um, the way I would frame it is that I agree with Mitchell, the yeah. manager of Girona, who I think said it very well. Um, he said, and, and I liked his honesty, I liked his directness, um, he said that the goal that was ruled out for Real Madrid, as far as he's concerned, is a goal. He said, but it's not down to me. I don't make the rules. Well, he didn't actually say that, but he said, you know, for me, in footballing terms, this should be a goal. But the rules say it's a foul. Uh, the reason is essentially because the ball is loose, the goalkeeper puts his hand on it, um, and he's starting to kind of pull it in towards himself, and Rodrigo comes in and, and, and nudges the ball over the line. I would agree with Mitchell. For me, this isn't a foul. For me, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But if you look at the rules, the rules talk about a hand on the top of the ball um, with a downward pressure. Although I must admit, I think there was a downward pressure and he's starting to roll it towards him. That's why it's ruled out. And I like that approach from Mitchell. And I think that approach could be more or less applied to the Asensio handball. Mm-hmm. I don't think those kind of things should be handballs for the most part. Um, but I think the way the rules are, are, are structured and the talk about the hand being above the shoulder, it absolutely is a handball if, and by the way, I must confess, this is still an if for me, if the ball actually hits his arm. There's a couple of angles where I think it doesn't and there's one where I think it does and I honestly don't know the answer. Yeah, but the referees or the VAR seem to have slowed it down frame by frame and be convinced that yeah. it did hit his hand. And look, this is a broader debate which we're not going to get into now because we could be here all day, but my, as, as I repeatedly say, my problem with the VAR isn't so much the justice or otherwise of the decisions, it's what it does to the game itself rather than what it does to the decisions. In terms of the game itself, it was a little bit espesso from yes. Real Madrid. Uh, how do we do, describe that word? How do we translate sort of that word? Sort of heavy going, stodgy. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. stodgy is a good word. Stodgy is yes. a very good word. I like that. Um, yeah. And I think, in a way, this is, you know, this fits within the the context, which is a team packed full of potential World Cup players. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks from the World Cup, I think any player who has the slightest doubt whatsoever. Uh, about his fitness isn't going to take a risk and I suspect that that probably applies for Benzema I think I think Benzema's current fitness yes is uh, is a slight concern but I think if there wasn't a World Cup around the corner maybe he'd be playing anyway um, I think it's there's a mental thing even if it's not a conscious level of, of the World Cup kind of being around the corner and I also think you know there, there's, this is just a sort of a slight kind of tail off anyway just in the level of performance and, and Ancelotti I thought kind of pre-warned us about this a few weeks ago didn't he he, he talked about um, there was that line he, he said that line about well if you don't want to be committed you can sit on the sofa at home uh, and he also used that line where he said that at times we look ourselves in the mirror you know we're satisfied that we've mm. won and we're, we're happy to just kind of sit here and look in the mirror and I don't think that's a conscious decision to down tools I just think it's a kind of a natural um consequence of, of, of the context in which I think a lot of players find themselves and by the way I think you can look at this across the league this weekend I think you can see it with Levin uh, sorry not with Lewandowski with Cavani going off early I think you can see it with Loselso going off early I think you can see it with uh, Kunde going off early these are all players who have knocks and there's no question about that I'm not saying there's any invention whatsoever but I think these are knocks that possibly in other circumstances you would perhaps push your way through and I think that's a, a, a kind of like a kind of psychological or emotional process that I think is being played out for a lot of players yeah so many players went off with knocks this weekend so so many across uh, all the matches in La Liga it's almost like squeezing in all the games just before the World Cup 10 matches in 30 days might have some kind of 
after effect on players. Yes, and yeah, and or, or maybe not so much an after effect as a, as a pre effect, if you see what I mean. It's the games yeah. themselves that are getting impacted upon rather than the players. And in a mm. way, the after effect on the players is possibly more a fear than a reality, if you mm. see what I mean. So I think what's happening is about that. Vinicius Jr. scoring the goal for uh, Real Madrid, brilliantly set up by uh, Fede Valverde, who once again is very, very mm. involved in in what Real Madrid do in the final third. There was no Benzema on this occasion. Rodrigo started. It wasn't the best game from anyone, really, from, from Real Madrid. But once again, uh, Fede Valverde being involved and Vinicius Jr. popping up. Girona, though, they scored one. Mm. They could easily have scored more. They, they're, they're a good side to watch. Yeah, they want, to, they want to bring the ball out from the back. They were a little yeah. bit more defensive than, than I think they would normally be. But obviously, you know, it's the Bernabeu. They were very conscious, and, and Mitchell talked about this post-game, and not allowing Real Madrid, to, Real Madrid to run transitions on them, trying to keep the ball away from them. But also, in those moments when you don't have the ball, don't give them the space to run into. I must admit, I thought there was a degree of trying to take the pace out of the game by stopping. And, uh, you know, recovery from knocks taking a little bit longer and going to ground a bit quicker than, than would normally well, be I mean, the case. Obviously. But, but every, exactly. And yeah. uh, I think every, every team <laughs> does that at the Bernabeu and, and yeah. indeed probably at the Camp Nou. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think they are a good team to watch. There, there was that moment in the first half where they really nearly, nearly give the ball away trying to play their way out. And the goalkeeper has to make a kind of a real lunge to get there ahead yes. of, is it Rodrigo running in on him? I think it is. Uh, or maybe it's a sensor, I can't remember now. And, and, and there was, there's, there's, there's a risk them, but they, they want possession, they want the ball. This is the way that Mitchell was at Rio as well. He, he, he's a really kind of likeable manager, likeable mm. in terms of the way that he conducts himself, but also likeable in the way that he wants his teams to play. Mm. Absolutely. Credit to uh, Girona. And they still haven't won in the last seven games, but they've scored in each of their last nine. Mm. Haven't kept a clean sheet all season, though. We'll see whether or not they stay up. But in terms of footballing ability, uh, there are three worse teams than them, I would say, yes. in the Primera División. Let's, uh, yeah. let's move on. Uh, there's loads we want to pack into uh, today's show. Talk about Barca and their 1-0 win at Valencia. Again, not, not, not fantastic from Barca. Although they did do enough to win this game. And I think oh, Valencia were actually quite disappointing. But once again, Lewandowski. The difference between these two sides as he was when they went to Mallorca a few weeks ago he scored the only goal of the game then he scored the only goal of the game uh, on Saturday at Mestalla a full Mestalla by the way which is great to see yeah. we were talking about what were the best stadiums in Spain on uh, TSFP Presents Top 5s last week and Mestalla was right up there near the top great to see it uh, resplendently full and very very noisy uh, but the team didn't really perform and it, this also wasn't a brilliant game no I don't think it was a brilliant game at all um, and in the second half, I, I think it was possibly even worse than it had been in the first. Um, I think that this is a Barcelona team that 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 doesn't. I don't know quite know how to how to kind of explain this. I feel like it's a Barcelona team that, in theory, knows what it wants to be, but in practice, doesn't seem to. If you see what I mean. Um, I don't think there's a clarity about their approach, even though in theory you've got a manager with the. You know the most clear idea, almost in world football. You know he's a he's a he's a he's a kind of a puritan, if you like, about about his approach. Um, I think it's a team that doesn't control the game as much as you might expect a Barcelona team to do. Although they, you know they they they, I think they, I would probably be right in saying. I hope I'm not wrong. I think this is probably true. I would say they've had more than fifty percent of the possession in every single game this season. 
possibly even including the two Bayern Munich games in the Champions League. They would be the two that I would have the doubt about. They certainly did at home. They um, averaged 63% possession this season. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so, you know, there's a degree of identity there. I'm not saying that tells you anything about how good they are, but there's a degree of identity there. But they're, they're not a particularly great team. And I saw some stats... Uh, today and I must admit I quite often think this when I see stats that are done in, a, in, in sort of visual form and it was this sort of um, scatter uh, dot scatter graph yes. um, and, and it was showing how many touches Lewandowski has and, and obviously I look at it and it, it, it's just a blur to me uh, it looks like one of those colourblind tests just without the colours uh, but, <laughs> but you get this which is how I see colourblind tests yes, anyway. because you are actually colourblind <laughs> um, but you, you kind of get this feeling he doesn't actually get a huge amount of service um, you know, he gets enough, but not a huge amount. And, and it's, it's really quite striking how many goals he's got. It's 13 in La Liga. I think I'm right in saying it's 18 overall. Mm. For a player that's not getting loads of chances. Mm. When yep. he gets them, he takes them very well. And this one was, was, uh, was reminiscent of, I can't remember which game it is, that he scores one very similar to this. It looks a little bit like a Harlem one. It's almost like he's tackling the ball into the net, isn't he? Sort of yes. diving to wrap his foot around a cross that would otherwise escape him. Uh, someone who did have uh, chances in this game was Ansu Fati. Uh, he had a goal mm. disallowed for a marginal, marginal offside decision. It, it feels like he's getting towards where we want him to be. And I don't say we as in Barca fans, we as lovers of Spanish football, we want to see him do well. It's his 20th birthday today, by the way. So happy ha- birthday, happy birthday to, Ansu. It's extraordinary, isn't it? He's only 20. It feels like he's been around for really quite a long time. He's had a couple of really big injuries as well. Imagine what kind of point he might be at without that. Um, We still, of course, do, I think, all harbour some doubts about the the rehabilitation from those injuries, about whether he'll have the the same speed and the same sort of... The thing with Ansu is I don't always see it as as pure speed. There's a a sort of an agility about him, isn't there? There's a glide about him that that makes him so nice to watch. Do do you think he's not back then yet to where he was pre-injury? No, no, I don't think he's there. But then bear in mind that then it felt like absolutely everything he touched went in. Um, and, and it felt like there was a sort of a, 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 an acceleration about him. And as I say, a kind of an agility, a glide about him that, that I don't quite see now. But I think we're getting closer. And I, you know, when you say we and you talk about Spanish football fans, obviously part of this again is conditioned by the World Cup. And I still feel like he's a player who should go. Because even mm. if he's not fully fit, he has something. Um, and, and, you know, he has goal. <laughs> He has a relationship with, with the goal that, that I think not too many Spanish strikers have. Not even those who do actually score quite a few. Uh, Ferran Torres did have a really good relationship yes, with the did. goal for the, uh, for the Spanish national team, at least. Uh, he had a really good chance to, to win this late on, which he somehow contrived to miss. Got absolutely hammered by the uh, home fans at Mestalla. Yeah, I thought that was... I thought that was... I mean... I thought it was over the top and, and obviously look the fundamental thing I think it's over the top when there's that degree of um, kind of abuse for a player anyway in any circumstance but even within a context of sort of accepting that players get pelters mm. and that they get abused which I, I, I'm not sure that we should accept but we sort of do and I, I don't know if it's the right thing to do um, mm. even within that context I thought it was a bit much in that this is a player that yes he up to a point sort of pushed for a departure but he pushed for a departure based on the politics of the club who wanted to sell him he went leaving a huge amount of money for the club he didn't go to a direct rival. Obviously, now you might argue that he's ended up at one by going to Barcelona, but he went to Manchester City. He basically went in a way because he kind of had to. Now, that's not 
entirely true because I think unlike some of the I, others like Carlos Soler, I, I think there was a degree of him wanting to go. I don't think he left a huge amount of money. 25, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, is, it, is that huge? Well, given that he was only 19, I think it's quite a lot. Okay. Was he 19? I think he was 19. But okay. yes, it's not, it's not enormous, but, it, but it's a significant amount of money for a club that, that, that okay. you know, is yeah. a teenager. I, th- I think there's a real disappointment, though, at, at, yes. at how young he went, and that probably conditions part of this as well. He yeah. also then, it's true, did an interview with Marca not long after he went, uh-huh. in which he, he handed out a few, uh, 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 a few kickings. Um, he went for a few people, <laughs> including some people, for example, Danny Parejo, who it didn't seem entirely justified to, to hand out a kicking to. He did, and I think that interview might have had a lot to do with the reception. I think it might well have done, yes. With the reception yes. There, uh, on Saturday night. Uh, let's move on into if there's anything we haven't talked about, and there's lots of things that we haven't talked about, and if you want us to talk about them, send us questions. We'll answer them on the Q&A pod for patrons. Uh, let's move on and talk about Atletico. What a bloody week for Atletico Madrid. Hmm. <laughs> Miss a 99th-minute penalty to crash out of the Champions League on Wednesday evening, then concede a 99th-minute goal to lose at Cadiz. Yeah. After getting yourself back to 2-2, having been 2-0 down uh, in the game, it's just an extraordinary sequence of of football. <sighs> Not really sure where to start with our analysis of, of, of this game, Sydney, but I know you've been writing about Athletic Madrid. Yeah, well, so we, I suppose we start at the end, as we do with a Champions League game in midweek, um, and the fact that it's the very last kick that, that does it for them. Obviously, in one case, it's them missing a penalty and the rebound and the rebound of the rebound. This time, it's them conceding a goal because the game doesn't restart afterwards. There's a brief moment when there's a VAR check to see if he might have handballed it, Sobolino, you know, and, and, and sort of Simeone very very meekly kind of appeals for a handball, but you can see that his heart's just not in it and he knows mm. he's not there and it's just a, a sort of a broken man saying, well, please don't do this. Um, mm. And, and then I suppose you step away from that and, and you look at the process of the game, which is that they concede after 26 seconds. Lovely stat mm. from Mr Chip, um, who says it's the longest gap between a goal, two goals conceded by the same team ever in a game. So 26 <laughs> seconds and then 98 minutes and six seconds. Wow. Um, I, I don't know if that would be, be true if you include games of extra time. Uh, I think it was a La Liga game. It's a stat for La Liga. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah. But they, they didn't play well. And then, actually, for about 20 minutes, they did. And one of the things that I think was interesting about this is that for 20 minutes, they played really well with Jao Felix everywhere. He, play, he does everything in those last 20 minutes. You know, he scores twice. He creates... Almost like he's got a point to prove. Yeah. And I, I was thinking to myself, had Atletico won it, and in particular, had they won it with a Jao Felix hat-trick, which they could have been because he has a headed chance after he scored the two. Yes. And I sort of thought to myself, I wonder how Simeone will feel about that. Now, that's a terribly cynical way of me looking at it. Mm. But this is the guy that you haven't played for eight weeks, or haven't started, rather, for eight weeks, who I think coming into this weekend's games had played something like 56 minutes in the whole of October. And you, you watch him rescue you, and you actually think... Brilliant. Do you actually do? You, which obviously you do in the immediacy of it because you just need to win. Do you think? Do you sort of feel a bit put out by it? Do you feel a bit kind of like I'm not having this? I, I, so, I, must admit, I, mean, I did wonder. There's a bit of a power struggle going on at Atletico Madrid between Cholo Simeone and Jao Felix and the club because obviously yes. the club would quite like their most valuable asset and potentially most talented player to be playing. Yes, Jao Felix himself. Is demonstrably unhappy at the amount of time he's being played, but Cholo is saying, no, I'm the manager, I'm still very much in charge of everything here, and 
I haven't seen enough from him to merit a place in the yeah. in the starting eleven. I, I think Joe Felix is hugely symbolic of a shift that's happening now. Now, there's a shift in a way that because we seem to be talking about this every season, you know, the evolution of a style, and then you come back again, and then you go back to what you know, and then Simeone looks a bit weak, but then his position gets strengthened again, um, and you know, then the last time we were really, really talking about Simeone is maybe at the end of a cycle. The following season, they went and won the league. And, but the, the, yeah, but the, that season they signed Luis Suarez, they got Kieran Trippier, they had Marcos Llorente playing exactly. alongside Kieran Trippier, and they shifted things. And they 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 they, they don't have the people to do that now. No, they no. don't. And, and and of course, this is one of the questions that sort of is beneath the surface, or maybe not even beneath the surface, maybe on the surface here is that is this whole question about is the team that has been built in terms of the players in it the team that Simeone would have built. And is this, you know, so the identity, is mm. this really Simeone's team anymore? And I think Jao Felix is the yeah. classic symbol yeah. of that. And I, I think you're right. I think there's a power struggle. I don't even know if it's, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's between Simeone and Jao Felix. No. It's between Simeone and the symbol of Jao Felix yeah. and what the club says. And it is not coincidence that there have been a few reports over the course of the last three or four days of people within the club saying oh it feels like the end of a cycle people within the club saying this team should be better people within the clubs um, uh, criticizing um, Diego Simeone and this is the thing I think the most significant thing about those reports Mm. isn't the content of them it's the existence of them Mm. because Atletico Madrid maybe not to the level of clubs like Madrid and Barcelona but Atletico Madrid are a club that have a really quite significant degree of control about the way the messaging is handled Mm. and about the way certain things are filtered out and the existence of those reports means something and by the way Simeone knows that and you can see that in some of the things he said over the last three or four weeks doesn't this feel like it's it? I mean, not right now, but at the end of the season, I mean... I must admit, I was starting to think that yesterday and I was starting to think, is this basically, you know, them, everyone will now, will now kind of back Simeone, they will public, very publicly support him, but there will be a kind of sense that we see this through and then maybe we look for a solution in the summer. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, let's talk about Real Sociedad against Betis, which was uh, the big game on Sunday evening, which you were there pitch side to witness now being pitch side you don't necessarily get the best view of the game but what you do get is a front row seat to watching the players battle and you witnessed a oh. real battle between Borja Iglesias and uh, first Robin Lenormand and, and, and then Alex Alustondo who basically came on and uh, carried on kicking him yes, which is what exactly Robin that. Lenormand had been doing Robin Lenormand had been kicking him he got a yellow card so they substituted him off and on came Alustondo to basically continue the job it was a, a fascinating little mini battle within a game which wasn't an immensely uh, entertaining game but that was a particularly interesting little subplot Borja Iglesias scoring the second goal on a breakaway for Betis uh, after a really another really good assist from Alex Moreno who had assisted Juan Cruz for the for the first goal and El Panda's got eight league goals now uh, mm. for Betis he's the first Real Betis player in the 21st century to reach the total of eight goals after match day 12 um, mm. he's flying we like him we like him as a player we like him as a person and it's good to see him triumphing like this yeah and, and this game was, a, was another indication of how those goals are uh, what do you call this in English trabajados those goals are goals well worked that, yeah that, that he every goal he scores is the product of an enormous amount of work you know, it's not necessarily a product of pure talent. It's not the product of the ball dropping. It's a product of an endless and relentless fight for the chance to, to, to get one opportunity. But to do a lot more than that as well. And watching him last night, as you say, I mean, it was, it was 
it was Lenormand and, and then Elistondo, but also actually a little bit of the time with Pacheco as well. Mm-hmm. And and he's a player, Borja, who gets a huge amount of kind of buffeting during the game, a huge amount of... He fights, they fight back, they fight each other. He sort of gets up, has a smile, carries on, and then mm-hmm. goes fighting again. Mm-hmm. He's also, though, a player who I think gets penalised a lot just for being big. He doesn't mm-hmm. actually do a lot wrong a lot of the time, but he get, gets a lot of fouls given against him for mm-hmm. just holding his ground against mm-hmm. defenders. Um, and, and you sort of watch him and you think, God, this must be exhausting to play and to be sort of constantly buffeted about. Uh, and he enjoys it. That's sort of one of the things <laughs> that makes it so good. He sort of enjoys it. And then, you know, the reward comes in the 93rd minute, as you say. It's an, another amazing run for Alex Moreno, who, who, who just physically is, is in great shape. Spain have produced so many good left-backs. Yeah, they really There's have. There's so and, many good left-backs in this country. And I, I, would, I would take him to the World Cup, to yes, be honest. Yes, um, yes, he really uh, is. He, he produces both of them on, both goals on very good long runs, both very late in the game. But, but remember, the, the key thing, the sort of point I was going to make about Borca is the second of those mm. there are three bettest players that keep up with Alex Moreno and Bork yes. was one of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was like a it was like a hundred meter sprint uh, it was a spat stampede wasn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah uh, so Betis beating uh, La Real moving up to fourth in the table they're level on points uh, with Atletico Madrid who beat them last weekend but then they lost this weekend and Betis won so they're level on points they're in the top four uh, and they're doing extremely well uh, quick word quick word from me you don't even have to say anything if you okay. don't want to I don't, I don't know if you watched this game Sevilla nil Rio won no I didn't unfortunately Sevilla were bloody awful yeah. again again the, the, the San Paoli effect has lasted it lasted 20 minutes it was the first game those 20 minutes of the first game against the Athletic Club, okay, you could see a slight, you could see a difference, you could see a bit more energy, you could see them being more direct, more vertical. And since then, we've not seen that. No. We haven't. They were bloody awful again. They, they, didn't, they didn't have a shot on target in the first half at all. They didn't have, no, they didn't have a shot in the first half. They got on target. They didn't have a shot in the first half at home against Rio, which was... And you know what? Until Rio scored... The fans there, they weren't even whistling. It just seemed like an acceptance, like, this is what it is now. This is what yeah. it is. And they were just really poor. And then Raya scored a brilliant goal. Alvaro Garcia, a long ball up from Catena, who plays these fantastic balls out from the back. Alvaro Garcia yes, cutting in from the left and finishing uh, with his right foot. A really, really well-worked goal. Raya are an excellent team. They work hard. We know how they play and they do it home and away. And they got a well, well-deserved win. And like I said at the top of the show, November... And Sevilla haven't won at mm. home, and they're in the relegation zone now. They're literally in the relegation yeah. zone now. They're in a relegation battle. I think they have to view it like that. Uh, we were speaking on our WhatsApp group, and Al said that he feels the World Cup break is going to is going to be very useful for for Sampaola to be able to work with the players and get across certain ideas to them. But they need it, man. They need it. They're in trouble. They do need uh, it. I suppose the question is, which players can he work with? Because quite a lot of them are going to be at the World Cup. Yeah, and quite a lot of them, I don't know. If- they're able to do what he what he wants. No. Oh, also, speaking of players that can't do what a manager wants, let's talk about Villarreal and Kike Setien. And he's got a very clear idea of what he wants his players to do. And I think there are going to be some players in this Villarreal side who aren't able to do what he wants to do. They lost at Athletic Club 1-0. Uh, they actually started really well and played yeah, they did. pretty yeah. well for the first 25 minutes. But then Athletic absolutely imposed themselves. And in the second half, it was chance after chance after chance and uh, they gave away the ball so many times Villarreal when they were trying to play out from the back Pau Torres gorgeous Pau 
was very, very guilty on twice. Really bad. Two really bad. Two really bad ones. But I think there was a couple of other ones as well. I mean, he's going to need some work. He played Isamandi alongside him. Raúl Albiol on the bench. Um, Raúl Albiol's been the starting centre back for three years for Villarreal. Kike Setién thinks that maybe he can't play the ball out from the back. It's going to be interesting, but I don't think it's going to be particularly easy for Kike Setién to, to get his get his ideas across. No, I mean he's got. I think he's got a squad that more or less can do some of the things that he wants to do. But I suppose the question mark for me would be how quickly and how radically does he want to change it. Mm. Because I don't think Villarreal were a team that didn't bring the ball out before. They no, did. They did. They, 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 did. they did. You know, and in, in in the same way that you watch Sevilla under Julian Lopetegui, yes. and that, that that Salida was very well worked. It, it might was, not have been was. as 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 sort of technically pretty, if you like, or as technically risky as 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 what Setien sometimes does. But it was certainly worked, and 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 so I I look at Villarreal, and I think in a way they're a squad that could fit um, Setien. My worry would be. If he tries to be too much himself and puts backs up, and and for example, you mentioned leaving out Raúl Albiol. Personally, I would not have done that. Mm. <laughs> I mean, put very simply, I yeah. would not have done that. Big call, big call from Kike Setién, yeah. who's not afraid to uh, to make those big calls. Uh, well done to Athletic though for uh, getting the victory and Yaki Williams scoring. I'm keeping count, by the way. Don't worry, guys. Okay, I know you've all lost count. It's 244 consecutive league appearances for Yaki Williams. Um, and he scored his fifth league goal of the season. Very nicely taken as well. He had other chances on Saturday. Basically, everybody in the Athletic Club team had chances to score because Villarreal were really, really open in that in that second half. But but well done to Athletic. A quick word on the Segunda before we go. Leaders Las Palmas lost one 0 at Huesca. So Alaves are now level on points with them at the top. They beat Oviedo two <laughs> one. Sid was there and saw. Alaves score a 97th minute penalty. I'm sorry. Didn't really see what I'm it was sorry. for and still haven't seen what it was for, no, we, but there you go. Well, you, I you don't want to see it, yeah. yeah I, 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 no, prefer yeah. To feel like, I prefer to be able to pretend we were robbed. Mm. Uh, Burgos are third, they beat Ibiza 2-0 and Eibar are fourth after their 1-0 win at Malaga. Well done to Spain's under-17s who won the Women's World Cup in India beating Colombia 1-0 in the final. So congratulations uh, to them. Uh, this week... Uh, We've got the final round of European matches to <clears throat> look forward to. Uh, Tuesday, it's Porto <laughs> against Atletico. Uh, Atletico Madrid have to win this, actually. Yes, they're, they not even, they're not even guaranteed Europa League football. Uh, they need a better result than Bayer Leverkusen get against uh, Club Bruges uh, to guarantee third spot. So it's, it's an important game uh, for Atleti. Uh, we've also got uh, Victoria Pilsen against Barca, which is not an important game. Then on Wednesday, Real Madrid against Celtic. Real Madrid, uh, is it, uh, do they need a win? Uh, to guarantee top spot I think well, a win guarantees it, top spot I've got it into group. my head that a draw might be enough but I think you're I right thought, I think a win guarantees uh, no because Leipzig are a point behind them so if they draw yeah. and Leipzig win then they um, then they finish second so they need to beat Celtic and Sevilla, and Sevilla head to uh, uh, to Manchester City so there we go Doesn't, and then they've got El Gran Derby next weekend against Real Betis so it is uh, yeah, absolutely brutal really tasty isn't it brutal for Sevilla uh, and then on Thursday which is what we're really interested in Real Betis against HJK Helsinki. Uh, Real Sociedad against Man United for top spot in that group in the Europa League. And Lech Poznan against Villarreal. Uh, thanks very much for listening, amigos. We'll be back tomorrow for patrons answering all your questions on the Q&A pod. The bonus pod will be coming up later this week, Thursday or Friday. So come and join us. As we said, it's just four euros a month. We'll be podding all through the World Cup as well. We're keeping it going, talking about what's going on in La Liga and what's going on at the World Cup from a Spanish perspective as well. So make sure you come and join us. You know, 
You're going to want football content when the World Cup starts. People desperately want football content when the World Cup starts. <laughs> there isn't enough around. So my, 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 my suggestion is come and join us now, get in nice and early, uh, and uh, listen to all the archive pods that we have. Uh, we'll be back on Monday if you don't want to be a po- patron. That's absolutely fine. Mondays, as always. Adios, amigos. Cheerio. Network.